0: Praise the Lord. Good set. We were singing through those songs, and I was just sitting there thinking about perspective this morning. I was sitting there about, uh, thinking about the song, um, Gravesdale Gardens, is that the name of that? Um, just trying to, you know, picture what the person who wrote it is thinking, and I get it, because, you know, there's going to be a day when we come, or the Lord comes, and the graveyard that we have next to our church, Right? When that day comes, it's just going to be a garden, isn't it? I mean, there'll be no use for the graveyard anymore. And that's a great thing to to really put in your mind. And um, it brings with it something about restoration. In some way, there's there's a way that we're going to be restored. And I was thinking about it. My mind's just going crazy, I think. But I was just sitting there thinking about it. You know, sometimes when we get older, I've noticed, you know, I've got ADHD, but I don't have the energy to continue on. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. Um, I, don't ha- I don't have the energy to, you know, have all the, you know, wham in me that I had. I notice I've been losing the energy, and I, I was thinking about it today, and I thought, you know, we're going to, at some point, I'm getting older. There's some things I notice I'm not doing so well anymore. And I noticed that I'm running out of energy quicker. And I remember thinking, man, I remember when I was young, I could just just go zoom, zoom, zoom and do everything I wanted to do. So when I think about restoration, it's almost like, you know, that day will come that I'm going to be restored back to um, what we all remember ourselves being like. Does that make sense? Except we'll be better versions if I want to be theologically correct. The only reason I'm telling you this is because It is all about perspective, isn't it? So when we think of when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be, Um, it's perspective. Because people who have had those types of fathers, for instance, who have been good, you can sing that song and you're going to say, when we all get to heaven, it's going to be a great day because we're going to be... Um, where everything was right again. It's what was right when I was young will be restored and then some. But then there's those other perspectives that are out there, isn't there? Those who may have had those dads that didn't care so much. So when you're thinking, so it's amazing, the perspectives that may be going on inside this building right now Um, how a song hits you, and you think about those things, but yet we assume everybody's had the same perspective or has the same perspective that we have because they've had the same experiences. That's not the case. I remember when I was uh, studying for ministry, and I was at Southern Wesleyan, and I remember Dr. Bob Black, he was talking about something in his life that impacted him. And he was telling a story about his mother and father, him walking by the window of his house one day. And he heard his mother and father down on their hands and knees praying for his soul. And somehow that impacted him in a positive way. And so his perspective then is going to be in contrast to maybe someone like me. So my one of the first memories I have would be where uh, my dad gave me some beer to drink. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine that today? Boy, that'd been something else. Um, and I can remember when I was had ADHD, didn't understand what it is. You know, I just was real hyper, and I can remember... I couldn't behave real well when we went out in public. And I remember him telling me, you're never going anywhere with me again. And that was the last time I went with him anywhere. So when you're starting to think about perspective, then you think about these songs that we sing. And the reason I'm bringing this to you like this is that I don't want you all to feel sorry for me. Because I've told you many times, um, some of these songs just don't connect with those of us who have had a difficult time. Don't stop singing them. <laughs> Don't misunderstand me. But it's, it's that way with religion too, isn't it? It's that way with religion. And so what stands out to me then is the idea that I could not perceive God's love for me. If, if, if it wasn't been for the Lord who came into my life and directed me to you know, read the Bible for myself, I can tell you right now that I would never have understood his love for me. Because I've said this many times, kids learn about the love of God from their parents, their father in particular. I don't mean that I told mothers last last Mother's Day, I said, we're going to take care of the dads. You remember me saying that? That's what I'm here to do. But the father's love is so important in a child's development. And you better believe, if you don't believe me, you can ask any teacher what we see. You can ask. This is something that happens. Um, But I can tell you, when I was in Indiana, as a youth pastor, I remember when I was trying to figure out how to build our youth group. And I just couldn't figure it out because I didn't know what I was doing. I still hardly know what I'm doing now. But I didn't know, I for sure didn't know then. And I remember thinking, uh, Josh McDowell, many of you might be familiar with him. Josh McDowell wrote a book called Emergency 911, I believe is what it is was. And it was about the idea of um, the f- absenteeism of fathers in the home with their children. And the importance of connecting dads to their kids. And I remember thinking, well, that wasn't my experience. So his perspective was based on somebody who was coming out of a a church background more than likely. But what I did was, I thought, if that's true, then that means the kids who were like me, who grew up in that kind of a situation, that everything that Josh McDowell was talking about is a foreign concept, if that's true, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to step into the role of a father for as many kids as I can. And that's what we did. And it's crazy because what we decided to do was that we wanted to put healthy relationships in front of our kids that we were ministering to because very often they weren't receiving those healthy relationships at home. And it was as simple as a sidearm hug in a lot of cases, just with the goal of listening to what was being said. There wasn't anything being said that I could do from Scripture to dazzle anybody, and many of you already knew that, right? But there was nothing I could do with Scripture to impress a a kid, because here's the whole problem. If you don't start out with having a healthy love relationship with your parents, this means nothing. It means nothing. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you the truth. And if it wouldn't have been for the Lord coming to find me, I'd still be lost because my bitterness and my anger would still be driving me. And I wouldn't even understand why. So when I started to read Scripture, the Lord was the one who was showing me how to be a father and how to be a husband. Thank God. See, a lot of us don't realize, especially dads, We have a responsibility. You know, I'd love to have a nickel. I'm just going to be very honest with you, but I'd love to have a nickel for every time I've been around some men talking about the the shape of our country, you know, just going on, being gruff about everything. And the fact of the matter is this. Our country's in the shape it's in because fathers have neglected their responsibilities. That's why we're where we're at. You know, one of the things that is going on in our passage, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. One of the things that the Lord is concerned about with his people is that they're going to allow him to fade from their hearts. If you can look at that in chapter 4, they're going to allow him to, to fade from their hearts. In other words, they're just going to get to a place where they're not gonna need him so much because their suffering is starting to dwindle down now. And so one of the first things that happens when we're no longer suffering, we begin to forget who Jesus Christ is, don't we? So one of the things that the Lord is commanding Moses to tell the people of Israel, don't let this happen because if this happens, then what's going to happen after that is the, your people, your generations that are coming after you, they will not know me, and when they don't know me, they will lose the life that you have right now that you could have given them. And it's the parents, basically, responsibility to show them who God is. If you want things to go well on down the road and things to go well in the community that you're in, then we have got to get away from this idea that somehow politically we're going to solve what's wrong in America and understand the responsibility starts with dad in the home. This is where it is. Now, when we get into this, I want you to understand something. God is taking people out of Egypt. You're familiar with the Exodus story. He's taking people out of Egypt who know nothing of a loving God because their whole life experience has just been based off of oppression and suffering. They don't know. They have to, that first generation had to literally see with their own eyes and hear with their own ears what God was doing and then had to be reinforced that the reason why God was doing this for them was because he loves them. Now, perspective again, right? Perspective. That generation probably doesn't even understand what love is, which is where I would find myself. And I doubt that I'm the only one. So if I'm going to learn about what love is, I'm going to have to somehow take this prescription that Moses seems to give to the leaders of the home, mom and dad, and in particular, dad, right? There's a responsibility. So in this setup, we're gonna read chapter six, verses one to 12. And in this setup, One of the things I want you to think about, and I want you to compare it to the way we Christians uh, live today, is this. Most of the time, we Christians today, we only think about getting saved so that we can make it to our destination. You've heard me say this before. We're only thinking in terms of the destination of where we want to be because we know that the destination... There's only two destinations. We don't want to be in the other destination. We want to be where God is because then we won't be suffering for eternity, right? But I want you to compare that mindset to what's going on in Scripture here. God is having so much more to say than just simply for the Jews to make it to the destination because if they get into the promised land, what he's telling them If they don't remember him, if they don't teach these things to their children, they will lose that destination. It's not about the destination. It's about being with God and dwelling with God in his presence and he in their presence as well, learning to live rightly. And that's the only way it works, because there's a certain amount of human responsibility to be able to continue on. If you love your families, if you love your community, if you love America, there's only one way this works, and that's through following Jesus Christ and passing it to the next generation and the generation after that. So let's look at the passage. And I'm gonna read verses one to 12. This is Moses, he's got all of Israel assembled before him. They've showed up, they've done this several times up to this point. Because he's teaching them, he is not going to the promised land. Uh, They are. That's a whole other issue right there. But let's just start with verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, for the purpose, so that you, your children and their children after them, May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. (laughs) Praise the Lord. First thing I want you to see this morning is it is each father's responsibility to learn God's commands. You're probably thinking, wow, what an amazing point, pastor, who would have ever thought that that is going to be something that has to be done. But you heard what Moses said, right? He said, look, you've got to put this on your heart. This has to be something that you understand. Because we know we just came through chapter 4 and chapter 5. And in chapter 5, the Lord gave the Ten Commandments through Moses to the people of Israel. And so these are the commands, these are the decrees. All of this stuff has to be on your heart. So if we're ever going to take responsibility as a uh, lover of God, if you're a father in Israel, then you're going to have to learn about the Lord. Now, here's why it's important. Do you remember what I said about the perspective? So when what's happening when we're all getting together, like I said a minute ago, we're singing songs, but I'm having a very different memory taking place inside of me than what you may be having. So what may mean something to you may not mean something to me. In fact, it might be that I'm just thinking, that's a good truth. I, I, I don't understand it, but that's a good truth. And it's because, I told you earlier, I'm from a household where fathers didn't take their responsibility and teach me about the Lord because They didn't know about the Lord. I mean, you ever wonder why things happen all the time? Now, look, I'm going to put cancer, um, disease, any of those things, right? I'm going to put them over here for a minute because those are things that are simply out of my control, right? But when I look at all these other things that seem to happen, that come into my life that um, are difficult to deal with, Very often, they're self-made issues, right? And it's because I come from a background that we didn't know anything about the Lord. In fact, the only thing that we knew about the Lord was a few things. I remember writing uh, with my stepfather. It was after basketball practice, I believe. I think I, I I don't know, I think I might have uh, told a lie or maybe even stole something from somebody, Um, I don't know, but for some reason, we were driving down the road. He always had a cup of coffee on the floorboard, believe it or not, from the thermos. Anyway, we would drive down the road, and he was telling me something spiritual from, from what he thought he knew. He just simply told me, this is the most spiritual thing he told me in my life. He said, Scott, you need to understand there's no room in heaven for thieves and liars. I didn't forget it. But the problem is, is that that wasn't the message, is it? Is that the message? But that's the message that I received. And it's because he doesn't, he never learned about who God is. Because what he got <clears throat> was the perspective of a God, this image of God that he's picked up just in passing overhearing people just making certain highlights that he doesn't really, they weren't really directed at him, just general statements more than likely, Um, and he didn't think to sit down and read his Bible or anything like that. He's just picking up as he goes through life general statements that are being made, and he's putting together this image of God, and he's telling me, for my own good, the only two things I need to worry about is to make sure that I'm not stealing and lying. So I quit doing those things. Not everything else, right? Because he didn't know that all the other stuff that we do, that's not good. And the reason it's not good is not because it offends God, it's because it damages our homes and our society. You all see what's happening in America right now, right? Right? you're getting it played out right in front of you. When, when fathers don't learn about who Jesus Christ is, you can bet there's going to be social difficulties for the communities and a people every single time. Every single time. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. It is each father's responsibility to teach children and grandchildren about God. You know, what's crazy is everybody assumes that everybody knows who God is. (laughs) I live in South Carolina now, and let me tell you, we just all assume that we all know who God is in this state, right? We just simply believe, well, everybody knows who God is. I mean, good grief, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know who God is. Well, let me tell you something. Remember what I said? Not everybody's learning about who God is through Jesus Christ, especially as the word of God reveals Jesus to us who is the very image of our heavenly father. Not everybody understands that. But here's the deal. Uh, everybody is, thinks they know who God is and, and so we don't take the time to teach people about who God is. Now the idea that's coming across in our passage That should really be something that we think about like a blinking light. The aha moment is the idea that every single generation, every single generation has to meet the living God. Did you know that? Every single generation. We can't just tag along off of my grandparents, all this stuff, and especially if they haven't learned, but every single generation has to meet the living God. Now, what happened to me was the Lord, the living God, came and found me. Okay? Now, the preferred method, according to what I'm reading in Deuteronomy, though, is that he shouldn't have to have a burning bush experience for each person in this world. It should not have to be that way. Here's what needs to happen fathers who take what they learned now teach their children. This is the way God does it. But remember what I said? We have fathers who don't who know nothing of the Lord, but yet the principle still remains that children are seeing their fathers and how they treat each other, treat others, treat their wives, treat all the their children and they're assuming This must be how God is. You see what's happening, right? I mean, I'm going to go ahead and just say, it's probably one of the most devastating things the devil has ever done is to, soon as a kid is old enough to walk and learn, to portray an image, a false image of God to the kid who's never going to forget it unless Jesus breaks through somehow. Y'all following with what I'm saying? And so the idea of what Moses is saying to combat that is he's saying, look, when you get up in the morning, Israel, dads, when you get up, moms even, when you get up, You are to make sure that it's not just about you saying, sit down, kids. We're going to have a Bible study today because their kid's like, right? My kids, they'd be like, "Oh. oh, come on, Dad. And I'd say, sit down, or we're going to do out a book of Revelation, right? Okay, Dad, let's do it. Um. This isn't the way we do it. You saw what God said? You Remember I said, I have to learn how to be a dad. Where am I going to learn? I'm going to learn it right here, and this is the way we do it. Remember the old um, Opie Taylor and Andy Griffith uh, at, the, at the start of um, Andy Griffith's show? When they're walking down the road, the dirt road, and he's got the fishing pole, and, and you, you know, I can't even do it now. And you remember the whistling? I mean, it's just and when I would come on on the in the evening, I'd just start whistling along with it. And you know, I didn't know what I was looking at until I started to read this. I'm just assuming the idea could be that Dad is giving some serious wisdom to Opie, right? He's giving some serious wisdom to Opie, because what's happening now is Dad's not saying, "Well, I'm going to wait until the church teaches my child. I'll just wait till. Sunday school, the Sunday school do a good job, Um, or even small group. You know, sometimes I have people say, pastor, I want to do small group, and I just praise the Lord, because we talk about discipleship. That certainly happens in small group, but let me tell you where discipleship really takes place, especially for a father who's taken his responsibility to teach his children. It's doing, uh, talking about the Lord in the everyday things. Oh, we sat down eat at the table oh, well, hey, you know, uh, this is one of the things that I've been thinking about the Lord telling my children right now. It would be a great time to tell them. Um, The Lord loves us, and here's how he loves us. He loves us through um, people who follow Jesus Christ. You're probably thinking, that's old hat. Do you know how many people don't know that? People don't know that. Or if they're walking down to go fishing, yes, son, look at these trees, dad. Um, Yes, son. Well, you know what? God created these trees. There's only one God. Hey, Dad, um, you know, our teacher at school said that that she has to teach us about other gods. Well, son, I can tell you right now, that's her job or his job. But understand this, there's only one God, and he created all of this. Well, Dad, how do you know? Well, son, because I've been reading in the Bible, and I know I've been learning about the Lord, and I'm just blown away with what I'm— learning about. And you know what's happening? I'm having a relationship with my kid right now because my heart, it doesn't take a lot to put my children, my love for my children into my heart, but it takes a little bit more, doesn't it, to make sure that I've got a burden and I've got a passion for Jesus Christ. That way, I can take that burden and passion and give it to my children. Because remember, I told you I had ADHD, Do you know what teachers I listened to in school? The ones who had love for me in their heart. And what was crazy was I had D's on my report card all the time. But if I would run into that teacher who had love for me in her heart and treated me with value, valued me, and I could tell I soaked up everything that was being taught and I'd have A's and B's in her class. My report card was always extremes. I would have A's here, maybe D's and F's here. No rhyme or reason, it would just depend on the teacher because the teacher somehow was loving me and giving me wisdom and knowledge. What if our dads were doing that today? You know how many kids wouldn't be so bitter and angry out in the world doing things to try to offend anybody they can, and especially Jesus Christ? I was one of those kids. Remember the story of Absalom in the Bible, what happened? His dad wasn't doing right, wasn't paying attention to Absalom. Remember that story? Next thing you know, Absalom's... Doing thinking, Taking matters into his own hand and it just starts to escalate and he gets angrier and angrier. Then the next thing you know, um, he goes and burns the, 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 the field, the cornfield, we'll say. The cornfield of his dad's good friend Joab sets it on fire just to get his dad's attention. Remember that story? It was a time for teaching wisdom and David didn't do it. Should have been taking what he learned, right, from what his experience was with God and giving it to his children. This is the way it works because the generations after him aren't going to have all of these miracles that take place because God shouldn't have to jump through hoops and do circus acts to get our attention, should he? Look at the last thing I want you to see. It is each father's responsibility to be careful to remember the Lord. So it's interesting. Apparently, the Israelites were going into a land where all the houses are already built. And the gardens have already been planted. Did you all pick up on that? And the wells have already been dug. All they had to do, this is it. They just go in and take possession of it, and and God's removing a people. You know, the people he was removing are the ones who forgot about him. you all see that? And he knew they forgot about him because of all the sin that they were doing towards God and each other. And sin always harms God and always harms your neighbor, right, as well as yourself. So he removed them. So they've already done all this work, and God's taken them in there, and he says, Israel, listen to me. Make sure that when you get into that land, that you don't just get satisfied with what you have. Because those who become satisfied are the ones who forget about me. Those who have everything that they need, these are the people that don't do so well About learning about me, and for sure don't teach about me real well. He says, If you get satisfied, you may forget me. And when you forget me, the generations that are after you and after them, they are going to suffer. So I just told you a story about my father, one of my first experiences. And I saw some of you, you just couldn't believe that that would happen. But you know something? I'll bet it happened to him. And I'll bet it happened to his father. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I know it did, because I can even trace back to where God was beginning to be forgotten about in our family line. One of the professors I had a long time ago told me something that I'll never forget, and you all have heard me, you might have heard me say this. The first generation Christian is on fire for Jesus Christ, right? These are the guys and gals who show up at church, do all the Sunday school, they're involved, highly involved, doing ministry and trying to tell others about Jesus Christ because they've learned something, they're excited, it's on their heart. They want to teach it to others, just like fathers are supposed to be doing this in their homes. But the second generation tends to be those who just show up at church. They simply show up at church every Sunday because it's what they've always done. But they're not so excited about Jesus Christ. They're pretty satisfied, and and let's be for real, they've probably not suffered as much because when you live for the Lord, you suffer a lot less than you do when you don't live for the Lord. And so they just kind of go about their business and they have their own children. And then what happens is, their kids are drugged to church every Sunday because their parents are are always going to the church. But here's the thing, they're not talking about the Lord in their homes. In fact, they're not sitting down at the table and saying, here's what the Lord wants you to know, this is what we have to do. This is, how, this is what I know about the image of who God is. This isn't happening. It only happens at church. The third generation Christians, these are the ones that only show up for Mother's Day, Father's Day, Easter, and Christmas. Right? And they don't live for the Lord. Fourth generation is usually lost. And we can trace all this right back to this truth right here. Fathers are not taking their responsibility seriously. In fact, like it probably was in my father's case and his father's case, they've never experienced a healthy love in their life. And what did they do? They passed their experience right on to their children. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? The only way this stops is when parents, fathers, and mothers, they all take their responsibilities serious again and understand if you love your children, you're going to be intentional about teaching your children the truth about Jesus Christ. You don't let them go floating along the waves of the sea, uh, sea, a sea of emotion, the waves of emotion to find out whether or not they're going to land on believing in Jesus. You're intentional about showing Christ in your life, in your home. If you're a father this morning and you're maybe thinking, Pastor, that's neat, but really it's really your job and the job of the youth leaders all these people that need to just do your job better. Can I tell you something this morning? You're missing it. You're not doing you're not taking your responsibility serious. When I stand before the Lord, do you know something what you all did and did not do is not going to be what he and I talk about. He and I are going to talk about what I did and I did not do. Because we all have responsibility. We all have it. If you're shirking your responsibility and you're neglecting it, you need to stop right now and you need to turn it around. I don't care. Maybe you've missed the opportunity. But if you have grandchildren, you start in again. Start right where you're at. Start right where you're at. This is how we start to transform society. If you're not being intentional about teaching your children this morning and your grandchildren, can I tell you something? You gotta get with it. If you love the Lord and you love Him with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? The thing that's as big as shame as I can imagine is to think that in Pickens County, <laughs> I'm gonna keep saying it until something changes, we have all these churches. And within eyeshot of every one of our steeples, what's going on in the homes are unspeakable. And it's because God's people aren't taking their responsibility serious to learn and teach their children about who He is. It should not be happening. God help us and God forgive us. And if you're saying to yourself, Pastor, I'm not forgetting about the Lord, that's why I'm here. Yeah, when you're satisfied with all that you have and the good things that God has given you and you're focused on those and you're talking about those more than what you're talking about the Lord to your family, you're forgetting him. That's what's happening. When you're talking about what you did to get these things you now have and you didn't clue them in that the Lord is the reason why you have what you have, because you followed his commands and you obey him because your love for him, then you're forgetting the Lord and you're also helping your children to never know who he is. I've said some controversial things this morning, maybe. Just trying to go over my head real quick, make sure I haven't left anything unsaid that needs to be said. But if there's something anybody has a question about, ask me. Because I'm going to tell you something, we need dads. We need dads who love the Lord and who want to take their responsibility and do exactly what the Lord has commanded them to do. If we can have that, this country is going to get straightened around. But it starts in each house. So right now, I don't know where you're at, This isn't some life-changing big decision that we would expect like coming to the altar or something like that. But right now is when you have to decide whether or not you're going to take your responsibility, whether or not you're going to continue to be intentional about your responsibility. Because the generations after you, your descendants, they're dependent upon this. And all the sad things, I'm just going to tell you, the sad things that I experienced in my house when I was growing up, I made sure my kids didn't get it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because the Lord stops all of the mess and he does it through us who will listen to him and do what he says. Make that commitment. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. Lord, nobody's perfect. We certainly got that. But Father, this morning, we want to make sure that we're reminded in a healthy way your expectation of us and the responsibility that we have, that this this is something that just doesn't happen. It happens with our intentional love for you and our children and our neighbors. It's because, Lord, you have told us the way. Nothing's been hidden from us. I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that's struggling with anything I've said, I pray, Lord, that you would clear it up, you would help them, and that you would drive them to read for themselves so that things will begin to go right in their lives as well. Keep us safe. Bring us back again safely Wednesday and Sunday. Lord, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.